Hello, everybody. We're going to have another episode of Connect This. And this is the Big Time Opportunity Edition. There's a lot of exciting things happening. And on top of that, we have our first full repeat cycle of guests. Uh, we have only veterans uh, this time, and this is very exciting. I'm going to introduce our guests. Uh, first, I'll introduce uh, Kim McKinley, the Chief Marketing Officer of Utopia. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Chris. It is wonderful to have you back. Uh, for folks that are, are familiar, uh, I advertised that Joanne Hovis was going to be on the show in order to try and get more people to come, and then uh, switched out for um, Kim, uh, who is uh, who is an industry veteran. After uh, Joanne, unfortunately, had to get called away at the last second. So uh, we are going to try and get Joanne Hovis back. So uh, if you are interested in seeing her, you should tune into every single show we do until she comes back. Uh, we also have great marketing, great marketing, Chris. <laughs> Well, you would know. So now I feel really good about that. Um, we also have Doug Dawson, who is the everything of CCG Consulting. Welcome to the show. Uh, this is my third time here, and I still haven't gotten any wings. I just want to let you know that. So <laughs> They are cold when we ship them, unfortunately. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. So. <laughs> right now, I'm excited. I got to remember this for like a few days before we do the next show, because I'm going to send you a little package. All right. We also have our longtime champion and the person that has made us want to do this show over and over again, Travis. Hey, why are we talking about the federal government again, Carter, who's with yeah. USI Fiber? Yep. Hello, everyone. And, and, and of course, our esteemed leader, Mr. Christopher Mitchell. Right. Christopher, because I said so, Mitchell. Yes. From the Institute for Local <laughs> Self-Reliance. <laughs> So we are um, we are back again in this topic, and I and I feel like it's really important because um, the federal government is enabling all kinds of interesting local stuff to happen, uh, both public-private partnerships, municipal investments, bad ideas probably will also be funded. But we want to talk about all of these different opportunities. Before we get there, though, there's been some interesting news in the past week, and uh, we're going to do a quick reaction to some part of the White House announcement about what it intends to do on broadband. Um, so there's been a lot of interesting details that are coming out. The cable lobbyists are really angry and they, they might have to actually work for their money for a little bit here. Um, so Kim, um, give me a, a sense of, of what your very quick reaction is to some part of the White House announcement. I, I think the biggest thing that we saw was that they're prioritizing um, community-owned networks. And that has been a real big change from the former FCC, um, which were prioritizing bigger um, the incumbent network. So we're really, I'm super happy to see it. It's, it looks like a complete 180 of what happened in the last administration. So from coming from a community owned network, we believe that's a huge step uh, for the country. Awesome. Doug, what's your reaction to the various news releases? I read it and I'll be honest to you, Chris. I said, do you think somebody at the White House is reading my blog? Because I could have written it. <laughs> I could have written the damn thing. I mean, I have written that in pieces. This is exactly what I've been proposing. And it's mind boggling to see at least a second person somewhere agrees with me. <laughs> there, there are people in, in the White House that are reading your blog, I'm pretty sure. And I want you to stop writing so they'll be forced to read me instead. Ah, okay. Travis, do you have a quick reaction? I, I was like, wow, Doug wrote the bill at the, in Washington. Pretty impressive. But I don't, are they still promoting 25.3 in this or is it too, nope. is that too early? Mm -mm. Well, well, we don't well, know what the well, actual, well, we don't what know. are they stepping up to? Well, we don't know yet. 
but it's it's much 30, 10 i mean are we <laughs> no but so this is here? this is one of the things travis i'm not gonna I'm, I'm, my heart's been broken before i'm not gonna okay. go too far out there but uh we, they are talking about here in the United setting States. a robust standard because they are tired of the boy i don't know if i'm I'm just going to go out there and say, I think this could be a little bit of a blue episode and they're tired of chicken shit updates. Like I, I think they're, they're, they really want to actually have high quality um, networks built and they're tired of this little penny ante a little bit here, a little bit there. They want to get the job done. But they think you can see that when they put in the future proof infrastructure, right? right? They're not talking about wireless or satellite or whatnot. They're like future proof, which is really aiming directly at fiber. I mean, future proof to me, man, a network that's still going to be good 50 years from now. That got rid of, of Chris's chicken shit stuff. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. For me, this is when I was, I was reflecting on it um, because a number of, of uh, tech columnists like to, um, well, at least one reached out to me and then I wrote a big, long response that, that had zero impact on the person's <laughs> writing. It's nice to be asked anyway. <laughs> um, but I was forced to reflect on this because otherwise I just ignore this stuff unless someone actually asked, my, asked me my opinion and forces me to put it down. And, and I just, I mean, this to me, it harkens back to 1935. It was not obvious that we would solve electrification by moving away from the big electric companies um, when it was proposed in the administration there were co-ops. States had been encouraging co-ops for some period of time. And um, it was a, a method that had worked in some cases and didn't work in some others, perhaps. But it was um, not at all obvious. And there was uh, confusion in, in, in opposition within FDR's White House as to whether or not this was a good idea. But they went down that path and it worked really well and it changed mm -hmm. everything. And I feel like if the Biden White House is up for it, this could also be the moment in which we change our future from one in which Comcast gets mm -hmm. to get us up to over $100 a month, something, mm -hmm. Doug, you've talked about in previous episodes, into something in which we actually have some real competition and there's real price discipline and we have more communities able to control their own futures. Mm -hmm. That was a really great question for me, huh? That was great. That was more than 30 seconds. Well, yeah, but we're in the discussion. <laughs> we're in the discussion part now. So oh, we are. haven't we had this conversation every week for 10 years? Yeah. So what do you what do you what do you really think changed this time around with this new piece of paper? Well, first of all, it's not paper yet, Travis. So I don't want to hear your hopes too. Yeah, well, right. this, yeah. this, this, this new post. What do you think really is going to change at the end of the day? Unfortunately, this thing has a huge uphill battle because mm -hmm. there's already a bill sitting in front of Congress that's about 180 degrees different than this. Okay. Uh, and so this is a so this approach is the first adult sane approach I've seen in the market. I mean, you know, not because I agree with it, just because it's well thought out. You know, it, it's not only talking about bringing better broadband to, to the rural areas, but it's talking about fixing pricing in the urban areas. Mm -hmm. It's suggesting to me, I think if you read between the lines, it's suggesting urban co-ops. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, this thing is talking about fixing broadband shortages and, and it, mentions, it mentions enough people to have broadband that they're talking about urban people. And so, you know, I think this is a, it's a transition. It's a, it's a seismic shift in, in set resetting the conversation all over again. So that's what I think this is. Now, this is a long way to go to, to actually make all these things happen, but it's the first time anyone in the federal government has suggested what's in that. That thing is all brand new. Well, nothing, I, in, nothing in there has been suggested at the federal level by a federal official for many years. So. Let me go out on a limb and say that I feel like 
Tom Wheeler was kind of heading in this direction, mm -hmm. but the Obama White House was working on other things and didn't want to right. make this that much of a priority. So I don't want to pretend that like some of the work that's been done by others who did, you know, John Sallet working at the FCC as well, really favored pro-competition policies. So um, this is the first time a president has taken this kind of interest in it. But but Kim, how are you reacting to it? I mean, I, I'm serious about having my heart broken before. Like, I just, I feel like, you know, like I don't want to get my hopes up and the cable companies are gonna be like, hey, uh, you know, we have a say too. I, I, I like I agree with Travis and I agree with Doug. I think it's an uphill battle of where this really goes realistically. Like, cause I agree with Doug, everything on this piece of paper, we've been all been preaching. Everybody on this call has been preaching for years, right? Yep. But does it get, get through? Um, I love, I love the transparency and pricing because I think that is a problem in this industry of the bait and switch and not understanding where the fees are coming from. Um, so I, I am pro this bill, but I am very, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to, to get my hopes up to um, much as well, Chris, because I think we know this industry, we know the lobbyists, we know the power of the, the telecom lobby and what, what can actually get through is gonna be another, um, it, will be, it will be interesting to see, let's just say it that way. <laughs> But I yeah, think I that think, there's more support than ever for this kind well, of bill. And that's, so that's the point I wanted to make quick, Doug. I'll give you a, a second. But um, I feel like this is an opportunity where people can come out and be like, yes. And if people are going to be silent and no one's going to say anything and they're just going to sort of hope that it'll happen, it's not going to happen. But if elected officials hear a lot of people saying, yes, this is what we want. We want real competition. <laughs> we, we want price transparency. We just want this stuff to work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, That's where I feel like elected officials might be willing to to, to force the cable industry to take some, um, you know, to take a, a backseat to the public interest for once. Mm -hmm. Well, he's certainly setting himself up to get his heart broken again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm curious, Kim, how would this change Utopia's life? If this, I don't know if it would at all, right? Okay. 10 I times bigger. And then I have to start yes. opposing you because you're too big. Yeah. That's okay. Thanks, Chris. I thought we were friends, but um, I think one of the, the things in here is removing the barriers for municipal broadband, right? So in Utah, we are prohibited to offer retail services, even if we cho chose to. I don't think if that legislation changed, we would even provide retail because we think we're in the correct model of being the infrastructure, but it could, right? That, that is one that we could go out and start competing against our service providers. Um, but yet again, uh, we've talked about this internally for many years and said, what if that happened? And we, we all agree that that is not the right move. And we believe it's a great partnership from the cities and the private ISPs um, coming together. But even there, there's things that Utopia could do differently. You could decide to be the provider of the low income broadband because that's really unfair to ask the ISPs to do that. I mean, you, Absolutely. you, you could work, work with them under this structure and finish all the gaps. And so the fact is this would give you new options you don't have today. So, and that might be as far as you go, but the good news is every single little city or co-op or nonprofit has those same options. They can go any direction they want. It's, I mean, it's, that's what we've always all wanted, so. It's the flexibility to it's make change, yeah. Right, so. So, I mean, we always historically talk about small towns and rural, rural in this, in this conversation. Do you envision that this brings competition to Chicago, Los Angeles, Detroit, and other major metropolitan areas, or is this bill fully solely focused on small air, small town America? 
it all depends what it means when it says um, truly find a way to stop. It, it, it suggests to temporarily subsidize low income broadband, but then mm -hmm. find a way to get off of it. Well, the only real way to get off of it is to start urban cooperatives. I mean, there's no other real, you know, we're, we're not going to, the other, the only alternative would be price controls by a very strong FCC. And I just can't see that ever making it through. When we and say so, urban cooperatives, I think you mean like a, a municipal structure as well. Um, but you mean broadly like a nonprofit well, approach. Well, cooperative is not municipal. It's cooperative. It's owned by the customer. Well, you said it's the only option. That's why I was confused. I no, mean, you could, no, I mean, Los Angeles could create a municipal yes, network yes. that focused on low-income folks. And it talks about cooperatives, nonprofits, or municipalities, all three, and it gives them all three equal basis and footing. But there could be those things created, which would give low-income folks an alternative and we give everybody else an alternative and it would certainly mm -hmm. act to pull down prices from Comcast. We're not going to $150 broadband if, if this is allowed to happen because cities will react if they, you know, I already, I already think cities will react. I believe there are cities that we have $150 broadband are just going to build fiber. Yeah, well, and we're seeing that, right? Like Tucson uh -huh. is doing free wireless service. They're a very right. large city without a history right. of doing this. Um, there are other cities that have many hundreds of thousands that are doing tests in this area. Yes. And I um, and I think one of the things that we'll see with ARPA, and I want to, we're, we're going to move over to talking uh -huh. about the the money from the American Rescue Plan Act that's already available, um, but um, I'm expecting that we will see um, more. Uh, cities and counties getting involved in this, perhaps using Dane's model, uh, where they would just only do dark fiber, and uh -huh. and maybe Utopia would come in and use it, or uh -huh. maybe you know some private company would, or a combination. Who even knows? Uh, but there's a lot of different models that that we could uh -huh. see. I think now that we have this money available that we're about to talk about in the next segment. But I think Chris, wouldn't you say? And I think this is to Travis's point. We, I think the cities would, the bigger cities would get into this, but my biggest fear is how is it executed? How are the people who are actually making this happen? Do they even know what they're looking at? And I think that's a big concern of the city officials who have, who get this money or who see this and then they're like, execution. Yeah, let me, let me <laughs> Doug, let me layer onto that because that's exactly the right question. It when is. I look at San Francisco and Seattle, I see big time dumb politics getting in the way of this. When right. what cities need to do is to be like, there's a very big problem and we need to solve it with some low key smart strategic investments okay. that aren't really gonna make me the governor. And that is what has gotten in the way. And I feel like that's the dynamic that has to change. And I would agree. I mean, Seattle is just the perfect test case for that. I mean, Seattle got in their own way when they decided that every group of 15 houses could vote on whether they get a, a little box put in their neighborhood. I mean, if, can you imagine being an ISP and trying to put your network in when you have to go to 15 or 20 houses and go, can I put a pedestal in your neighborhood? And they get the vote. I mean, this this is a city who has no business being in the broadband business. <laughs> well, let's, let's also be clear that people have a righteous rage against CenturyLink that uh, is part of the reason. <laughs> I understand. That want to do that sort of overreaction. But the city would apply the same rules to themselves. Large cities are not necessarily going to make good ISPs, but that doesn't mean they can't build fiber and make it available for other people to work on it. So, right. So. Right. Okay. So I want to make sure we have plenty of time to talk about the billions of dollars that are going to enable some interesting results before the Biden plan ever gets its vote. So um, before we do that, though, we have to do the the fan favorite because a few people told me they liked it um, section. Because <laughs> one person said three, three, three out of 11 viewers. Yeah. It could have been two people and at least one of them was not related to me. So 
this is a tower. Um, I don't know. I, I can't always see the screen of how it's oh, we coming can. across. We can. Yes. Um, so, Travis, what's going on here above the tree line? Oh, this is a good one. I'm going. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm going public safety radio network at the top. That's uh, this the, uh, white with, thing with, with those yeah. omnis, and I'm going to go uh, backhaul one two. It's a, it's a relay site for two different networks. And it looks like there's also some sort of Omni public safety radio, maybe 800 megahertz, a little further down there. That this? Uh, going up, 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 up. up. And yep. to your right there, there's yes, an antenna going oh, up and down. Nothing there, right? Yep. So that would be my guess. I would agree. And this doesn't have any customers on it. This is purely relay station. No. Right? Yeah, yeah. And they're probably just relaying their radio network, no different than. It kind of reminds me, I don't know, Doug, if you remember the old like um, ham radio uh, repeater, yep. repeater sites. That's what this reminds me of. Yep. These are, these are what you see out in the West a lot of yeah. there's long distances to cover. Yep. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, um, three I'm for glad three. that was interesting. And uh, if anyone wants to send in their pictures, I will be happy so you didn't to. Use, did he get it right? Chris, you didn't say if he got it right. He doesn't I don't know. know. I was just driving by. I don't no, know. No, no. Chris has no is, idea. Is, we, we can make up anything. Yeah. <laughs> It sounded well, I, really good, didn't it? I should it have come up great. with an alternate story. I apologize. Wait, yeah. wait till wait till the one that comes up. I don't know what it is. I have I have an answer for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to get up to um uh, see if I can find some of those uh, antennas up in northern Wisconsin where they have the very ultra low frequency they use to communicate with the nuclear submarines. Right. Yeah. Those, those are, are the awesome. tough ones, or the ones in Hawaii that are on the big barges. <clears throat> The big domes, the big Doppler radars, those are not easy to identify. Any any military thing would be more difficult. Okay. So um, people should trespass on military bases to get us photos that yeah. Travis can make Area things up you about. <laughs> <laughs> Do not do that. <laughs> Nothing illegal here. Nothing no, no, no. illegal. <laughs> I am wearing orange. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about... Um, all this money that's heading to communities and try to give communities some advice and also a sense of what's coming their way. So I wanted to first go through these line by line. I identified uh, five of the programs. Um, one we'll do really quick. Doug or Kim, do you have anything to add about the EBB since we talked about it uh, two weeks ago? And I'm sure that you've rewatched that episode multiple times for all of the <laughs> wisdom that it contained. I have nothing to add. I thought, I thought you covered it well, so yeah. I think it will be interesting to see how it's played out um, we do like that Utopia, we believe Utopia can qualify um, for the EBB. Um, so they have expanded their reach um, for who can apply, which we have never been able to apply for one of these federal programs before. So we, we love to see that. So, And that's because uh, yeah. the rules usually require that you have a direct relationship with customers. Mm -hmm. And so um, they haven't bothered to to figure out how that works for the open access networks. Uh, but it seems like they're willing to, to work through that here. That's yeah, awesome. So we're super happy. Yeah. And for other folks, Travis is now officially in the EBB program. And in future episodes, we'll talk about how that's going for you. We can talk about how he can no longer say so many bad things about federal programs. Well, it, it you know, we did. And I, <laughs> I don't know why all of a sudden we got approved after the last meeting, but thank you for the show. Yes, we are approved and we are going to put our first customer on next Monday. Awesome. 
So that is oh, our- congratulations. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So for people who are confused, a lot of the EBB providers, the emergency broadband benefit may not be starting theirs until the uh, the FCC program actually opens up the window. But Travis is going his own way to maximize benefits. And we discussed that in the previous show. Mm-hmm. So there is uh, $130 billion going to local governments as part of the American Rescue Plan Act. This is money that can be used broadly for a variety of things. One of the things that is explicitly named is broadband and water infrastructure. Um, 65 billion of that is going to counties, 65 billion of it is going to cities and towns. Uh, there's an amount going to tribes. And this is money that we would expect in some cases will be spent on uh, broadband. And I'll just couple that really quickly because I think it's relevant to $340 billion that's going to states. And we would expect some states to pass that down or put it into their broadband programs. Other states may actually just give it in lump sums to localities. And so there are many localities that are getting on the order of 25 to 50% of their yearly budget in terms of this money, some of which will plug holes, but there's a lot of excess money that can be used for smart investments. So any comments on, on this and this sort of tranche of money before we cover some of the other ones that are more related to broadband? I actually, before we comment on it, we have to really add these in to the, to the 10 billion also. Sure. Because, 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 and the reason we have to do that is you had mentioned cable lobbyists before. There is a massive amount of arm wrestling going on in DC this week, as you can well imagine, because what's, you know, treasury is the one giving all this money away. And so what's happening is. So let me, sorry, Doug, let me just back up for a second. Um, So there's, this money is going out in the next uh, three weeks. I think the fir- half of the money has to go out in the first, in the next three weeks. Right. Now, Treasury is writing rules on their $10 billion that's going to go to the states. Almost every, every state is getting at least $100 million. New York is getting like $350 million. So most states are getting an amount in between there. And that money we're expecting will only be usable for broadband, most likely, but Treasury is writing those rules, and that money is expected to be available over the summer. So that's, I think, essential background for what you're about to say. But I also think Treasury believes their rules are going to apply to any broadband piece of the other pieces of money as well. Well, they're wrong. At least Treasury does. (laughs) Well, well, that's the big fights that are going on. He said having no legal expertise or having previously considered the question. (laughs) Yes. And so, of course, what's happening at Treasury is... The, you know, the language is like three sentences long on how to spend mm-hmm. this money. And so, and so they're trying to bring in rules. And of course, the cable lobbies are suggesting what those rules may be like none of this money can be used, unless the speeds are less than 25.3 and on and on and on. You know, what I hear is Treasury is heavily resisting that. And in fact, Treasury was very buoyed last week when the when the White House rules came out, because they went, aha, we don't have to listen to you, cable lobby. So that was actually a savior for that discussion, I believe. We'll find that out. Um, but it's still, the arm wrestling is not done and there's a lot of powerful forces in Washington trying to put rules on that money. And if, and if rules get put on it, it may become a lot less useful. You know, the real, the real issue with all this money is states are very differently. I mean, what you can do in Rhode Island is very different than what you can do in Utah. In Rhode Island, Similar money. states, Doug. I don't know it what is. you're talking yeah. about. I mean, Rhode Island, there's really hardly anybody that has under 25.3, but what they have there is a lot of poor people and, and school kids who don't have broadband. The money there is likely to end up going to the cable companies and stuff to connect more customers. 
like it or not, that's really the best way for them to use that money most likely. There's, you know, Verizon Fios might get it to do fiber instead, but it's gonna to go to make connections. Well, that doesn't make any sense for rural states. And so in order for that money to be useful, the feds really got to get out of the way and let the states each do what makes sense for them. That's what really matters here. So any rule they put on is gonna end up hurting some states. I mean, the goal is to have almost no rules on this money. And that that's, you know, any rule is just gonna, be dreadful. It's going to be dreadful for some people if they put even one rule on it. So, and I just I'll have to go back and, and I'm curious about a, a legal interpretation. But it would be interesting to me if this somehow is um, considered to be controlling of money that was given under an obviously much more permissive grant to states and localities for other purposes. Um, so I I. I, I would expect that even if even if it's more clear than I think it is, there's going to be lawsuits about it. I'm sure. Oh, there, there's always going to be lawsuits. One, I, I won't. I'll stop talking here soon. But one of the interesting things with this money the, is that some of the states have already told localities how much they're getting. Mm-hmm. So the states are not really con- thinking about putting many rules on it. And this is some mm-hmm. states will. Some states can't help themselves. There's no way that California, New York, Illinois, and Washington State are not going to put rules on. <laughs> because <laughs> I put rules on everything. But most, a lot of states have already said, mm-hmm. I'm sending it to you cities, you do what the heck you want with it. That is, that is cities, are already making their, cities are already making their whistlish of buy a new mm-hmm. fire truck. I mean, they're, you know, their cities have a shopping list ready or a lot of cases. So this is going to get, if there's any legal fights, it's going to get really interesting really fast. So I think ahead, it, it really, yeah, I think it really depends on how the money is disseminated, like right. for the states, right? In Utah, they've already, like, I think it was almost two weeks ago that the cities got emails of how right. much they were getting and right. allocated. So now our phones are ringing off the hook of like, okay, we have all this money. <laughs> how do we use it? Is because I think a lot of cities were just shocked about how much money they were getting right. and what can they do with it. Um, so I think it's, it just, I think you're right, Doug. I think it's a per state basis. And I think they need to go back into, you know, the Biden's plan and get out of the way and let, um, let these cities build like they want to. Like, but one of the concerns that I've heard over and over is we don't want overbuilding. We don't want overbuilding. And I'm like, don't you want competition in your marketplace? You're, like, well, and let's, yeah, let's be clear. I mean, <laughs> the, that, the overbuilding is a generally Republican talking point, um, yeah. which is directly from the cable and telephone lobbyists mm-hmm. uh, who, um, who make that case because they argue that it will be wasteful um, because it's unnecessary, but also they believe because the localities uh, will have no idea what they're doing, that this is just mm-hmm. far too complicated for them to, to figure out. Um, so um, when we hear that, the concern about overbuilding, it is something that I, I hate over generalizing regarding the partisan nature of some of this, but it is almost entirely from the Republican side lately. Now, interestingly, <clears throat> There's no locality who's going to get this money who's not already done a broadband study and go, well, let's just build fiber. <laughs> There's not enough time for that. Now, mm-hmm. if they've already thought about it and done the math and had the engineers out, there may be a, we we'll probably can count on, on less than two hands of people who actually build brand new networks with this money. There will be towns who call in ISPs and make quick public-private partnerships. And it's hard for the big ISPs to hate that they don't, they, if they, you know, if somebody gives it to Travis, they can't really complain. It's overbuilding, but because they're hoping someone gives it to them. Well, so the big ISPs are sort of in a bind because in some of the states, like again, Rhode Island, I think that the 
big ISPs are hoping all this money ends up in their pocket. Okay. And so, you know, how, how can they love it there and hate it in other states? So it's so a the, real, the, real dilemma for them. The so. money has to be spent by the end of 2024. Right. So if you already have a plan and you can try to break ground by the end of this summer, why, why can't you spend a substantial part oh, if of If you a, already have a plan, yeah. Not, there's not that many people that have a plan. Really. Okay, so that's what you were saying. I think that if you started now and you were a reasonable size community and you did a decent partnership that you could have a network built by 2024, but well, maybe that's my perspective. Well, also, I, I don't think this money is going to be enough to build a broadband network. Yeah. It's going to be a piece of the funding. You still got to find yeah. more money. And, well, so, like, so well, let's, yeah. let's talk about this though. Like yeah. so Travis right. and I have been going over this because, um, you know, I've, wanted to see some investment in some areas in, in Minnesota here and, and long felt that whether it was Travis or whether it was another ISP that's independently minded, um, that there could be some interesting approaches, whether it's along the line of what West Des Moines is doing with Conduit or what Dane has proposed with Dark Fiber, you know, things that would allow a city to build assets that they could lease, um, um, mm -hmm. perhaps for a price, perhaps for a certain um, um, return on like offering low, <coughs> low income services. And Travis, as you and I have discussed this, like I, I feel like um, that you know we're looking at a, a city like St. Paul, which is getting I think on the order of a hundred million dollars. Um, I don't even think we could spend all that money that fast. So there's more. It strikes me that the limitation is not the amount of money in this case. Well, and there's a real issue. You know, let's be frank. If you're a if you're an independent ISP and you're going to ride on somebody else's network you're not really building a lot of enterprise value for yourself so mm -hmm. why would you do it i mean there's really there's there's no there's virtually no incentive to go into an area that somebody else is going to conduit you're going to have to charge relatively low priced internet and you're going to take all the customer service calls tech support billing you're going to take all the crap without getting any of the i mean honestly without getting any of the benefit so it, it's Honestly, you know what's going to happen with this money? I think Doug just alluded to it. A few people are going to be successful. The rest is going to be like every other program we've talked about forever. The money's going to disappear into the ether. Nobody's going to know where it's at. And we're going to move on to next year's plan. That's just my opinion. So I, Doug, so, you want to react to this, but I also I really want to bring this back to Kim and ask just how many, yeah. how many <laughs> job applications are you vetting right now? Because I can imagine that there's, yeah. there's people that you're working with that are doing nothing but trying to hire people. But quick, Doug, you had a funny expression on your face there. Well, I, you know, I, I happen to agree with both of that. <laughs> That's, I'm torn in half here and I just got to rip myself up. It's me. Yeah. It's me. Don't pay attention to me. Pick me. The fact is an awful lot of this money wound up being wasted because there'll be, you know, when it goes to big cities like St. Paul, if they tried to spend hundred million on broadband, they would spend 30 million of it studying it. And then like, well, the time is, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, and that's yeah. not a fault. Big cities really can't pull the trigger. It's nice that you call St. Paul a big city. We appreciate that. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone's well, proposing I think you're that a lot all bigger, of the money You're a lot bigger city than the places that where <laughs> Utopia is at. Little cities could very well just go and do it. You know, the, the fact is, you know, Travis is absolutely right. You know, the, I've always thought that if a city just gets the broadband built, even if they don't have an ISP in mind, the fact is it's done. There's gigabit broadband sitting there. They will eventually do it themselves. You know, they, they can do what Provo did and sell it to an ISP for a dollar. The fact is they need to build it. 
You know, okay, so let's this money, be honest. This money, the this Provo money thing was a terrible decision. Oh, it was a horrible. <laughs> well, the people, it was a terrible decision, but it really wasn't. I mean, the city was losing six million bucks a year, and the politics were ugly. The but, city's uh, still paying for it, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Still had to pay for it. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I feel like it's impossible to describe. Like, I mean, you know, it's like it's like you're sitting, you know, in a, in an outhouse in which the floor gave out, and and people kind of figure out like what's the what's the best situation? Like, how do you improve upon it? And it's like <laughs> there's there's not a lot of good that can happen at that point. So like, I I I, I don't like putting too much um blame on iprovo and or provo for where they ended up given the way the um comcast and CenturyLink used the legislature to hamstring them um but i take doug's point well like i mean this is in some ways free money right like if a city bonds it has different expectations for getting a return right. on that than if it gets money from the federal government <clears throat> and so it could very well build assets that it would lease at a at a song and still consider itself to have come out ahead and I think this is where Utopia is looking at this, and we're looking at this very differently, of using some of this money as a backstop to reduce the um, the level of risk um, as cities enter into these uh, agreements, right? Tell us more so, about that. Yeah, so it's like, if you have a $15 million project, and so, and you, you know, you don't want to leverage $15 million of your bonding capacity, put $5 million worth of this and, and bond for 10. So they still have a stake in the game, but they're using the federal dollars to get themselves leveraged into a place of building these networks, which I, we believe is a smart way to do it. That, would be, and that is smart. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. smart. Yes. Yeah. So, and I agree with you, Travis. I understand why, even though I, I was opposed to your statement, I agree with what you're saying because the margins are really low for ISPs to jump on with these networks. And why would they do that? I agree that if you have a large enough market share, it makes sense. Um, but I, I just, my, yeah, yeah, I just, no. if, if you have the ability as a private company to go out and get debt financing to build a network, why, why, why would you now, if the federal government or the state or whichever branch of government wanted to come in and say, here, we'll put 50 cents up, you guys put 50 cents up and we're going to build this area that maybe is hard to, you know, uh, put debt on. All right, that that's interesting, but then who owns it? So Travis, let's I let's just go back to like many of the conversations you and I have had. Yeah. And I'll just I'll phrase it this way. It, when you were starting your company with the dial-up rank rack of modems and stuff yep. like that, did you have the ability to go get debt financing? Yeah, very little. Very, that's, yeah. that's where I very feel like little. it's one of the yeah, most interesting. Yeah, the, yeah, the and that's why card. I've yeah. I've, promo <laughs> I've promoted the idea that these programs should be you know, there should be a piece of it for starter loans for ISPs, you know, the, the, that can't get the first million, you know, the first million dollars is the hardest one to get because mm -hmm. you have to understand the financing piece is only 10% of the ISP puzzle. I mean, there's a lot of other things to do to run a successful internet provider and financing is only a piece of it. But if you can't get over that first 10% hurdle, you're dead in the water. And that's why these WISPs, all over the country serving these communities are struggling so bad and to, to make the jump to fiber because they're used to buying these $500 radios that service 100 customers, 25-3 just fine, but they're stuck. What are they going to do? So I, I'm a real fan of using this money to help private companies with move into fiber plants. Do not give it, do not give it to some cities who are going to do what you know, what, worry about who are you hiring to put the conduit in the ground? Can you put, I mean, oh my God, get, yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's so, sort of, Travis, you're breaking goal. my heart now. Like, yeah. It's just it's a very hard day on my heart. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just being real, right? I mean, No, I appreciate it's... that you're being real, but I also yeah. just feel like, I mean, this is what we heard about, like, cities when it came to electricity. And, and a lot of cities in the 1900s and the 1910s, like, screwed it up, and there were challenges, and, and they figured it out. And I feel like, like, it, it ain't, it, it's not going to be necessarily pretty, but, like, I feel like when we get into this discussion, there's a certain sense in which people forget what the bar is. And it, it just, it's a, a classic joke of like, when you're sitting there camping with your friend and a bear walks up and your friend starts lacing up his shoes and, <laughs> and, and, and you're like, what are you doing? You're not going to outrun a bear. I don't have to outrun the bear. I got to outrun you dummy. Mm -hmm. Like um, <laughs> that's, that's what we're talking about here. Like the, the municipality doesn't have to be Elon Musk. If we accept that as a pinnacle of, of achievement, um, the, the, the municipality has to do it better than a cable and telephone company, which are basically trying to like, just figure out how to do the bare minimum and extract the most wealth from the community. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has but, to be but, better but don't than you think the crappy the system we're living in. But, but it's all mandated by the, the speed. If you're going to borrow or give people grants for 25-3, then, then you're, you've already created your own problem. Right. Well, that's if, not if, happening if, here. Like, I mean, that's why but, we're good if, there. If you were to say, all right, the minimum to get federal dollars is gigabit symmetrical, you've now solved the problem. There's nowhere that these wireless providers can go. They've got to put fiber in the ground. And that's where we all should believe. I mean, this isn't free money. This is our tax dollars we all pay. We should want to utilize these tax dollars for maximum benefit. And to me, it's getting fiber into every home in the country. I actually not, think some of it is free money, but we're not going to get into well, modern money. Yeah, I guess, I guess we can, yeah. <laughs> so we can anyway, just, we can just print it, right? Yeah. But, but I would like to react to what he just said because I've never been a fan of free money. Agree. I yep. very much don't like ever, it Because without yeah. the strings attached, I don't really like the idea of states going every single town, here's how much you get versus you know, here's how much the region gets. Why don't you all come to us with a plan? You know, it's, so the, the problem is many cities are just going to do terrible things with this money. It's a one-time shot. And, and, and if they haven't thought about bribing, they don't know what to do with it. And so it's, it's, it's not really a fair thing to just dump it on them and go, here's your money. Oh, wow. You didn't use it well. Well, you the know, worst is a couple of there, there are cities like this, yeah. her cities who are already planning on joining Utopia, they're going to use it perfectly, but it's all the cities who are not prepared to do that are going to have a real problem with what to oh, do. Oh, Doug, we can take any city across the country. You don't worry about us. Well, I tell you um, what, we're, we're, I, please let me know when you're coming to all the areas surrounding Asheville and in the Appalachian Mountains here. <laughs> you never know. Um, but Travis, my point, my question to you is, do you think these cities should use it for, um, as I saw it, it's my phone. Do you think these cities should use it for a middle mile network to connect their anchor institutions within the city? Or are you talking about like they should well, never honestly, get the business at all? I am always super dumbfounded. It's, you know, 2021 and there's still cities and municipalities have been getting money for years and years and years that don't have their institute, their main things wired up. It always floors me that, you know, they don't are, that's, to me, that should already be done. All right. If that isn't done, then absolutely. So hold on a second, Travis. I think, let me just clarify. Yep. So someone has wired up the schools and libraries and the police stations. You're saying that it's pretty dumb that the municipalities haven't done it themselves. I, I, I have no idea why, you know, I don't want to pick on Minneapolis. So I'll move to St. Paul. Why is St. Paul? Why doesn't St. <laughs> Paul have a, the public schools have a fiber network hooking up all their schools? Why are they using CenturyLink in 2021? In this case, because of free money. I mean, let's go full circle. The way the e-rate program has been structured, it makes it really easy. Well, for see, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, but it's it's, yeah. it's dumbfounding to me. And then you mm -hmm. move out to another town here in Minneapolis or in Minnesota. They all their schools 
are hooked up. Like the county, all the county buildings are hooked up. Um, what the heck's it between the county and the city when it came to allocation of money in the past and how did they use it? Which leads me to Doug's point of, I think here's what's going to happen. Some city is going to get 20, 30 million dollars. They're going to stick up six hot spots in downtown Minneapolis for Wi-Fi or in their town, make a big deal out of it. And where's the rest of the money going to go? Yeah, who knows? It'll, it'll just disappear. I hope it won't be that bad. But I'll my my thing is just to look at this. I the CARES Act to me suggests that there's a lot more good than bad. Um, whether it was townships in in Minnesota, whether it was the state of Alabama and Mississippi, who really used that money for broadband connectivity in smart ways. I think. Um, I I think there's going to be waste and there's going to be some mm-hmm. some bad situations, but I think we're going to see more good than bad out of this. See, the states put some rules on place for CARES in almost every case. They didn't just go mm-hmm. little town in Mississippi, here's your check. They said it's got to be used for one of 40 things. Talk to us about it. If we all agree, you can use it that way. And so so there was enough rules around it. That, that it got used, I would agree, CARES money got used pretty well from what I hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, places. Okay. But this this money doesn't have, it's likely not to have those rules on it. That makes me a bit nervous in, in that, you know, a lot of communities are not going to be prepared to do anything good with it. Um, now, some of them may just blow me away and do awesome things. 2024 is enough time to get ready. <clears throat> but but, you know, we can't have 14,000 cities run out and try to find a broadband consultant to tell them how to use their money because well, we can help. We can help the first 300 of them and then the rest, the other 13,000 are on their own. But you I know. think that's <clears throat> going to be the problem, too, Doug, not to um, kind of put some poo poo on your profession. But the consultants are going to come out of the woodwork who have no idea what, no they're, idea doing. what they're doing. <laughs> Everyone. Oh, no, no, no. Some of them, some of them have built school networks. And so they are perfectly capable of designing fiber to the home <laughs> to 20,000 distinct premises. I thought we were going to do feasibility studies, Chris. Is not what we're doing. Travis, you owe me $50,000 for the one. Yes, for exactly. Yes. Some of these consultants have been playing games online for the last three years, and now they're going to help people design networks. Yeah. No. And I so, think that's going to be a real problem. Of okay, so let's let's stop, for that. let's stop laughing at them. And, and what do we do to advise <laughs> them? Like, what do you look for? Like right now, the market's getting hot. Um, what do you look for, you know, in terms of, uh, of how to spend this money wisely? I think, first of all, if you're going to hire a consultant or you're going to um, look, first of all, get advice from networks that actually have been built, um, consultants who've been doing this for a long time and have a track record of success, don't find somebody who just got out of, came out of college or has their master's degree who took a lot of courses and said they can solve your problems. Or, who's the, make, who, are, or who is the mayor's son or whatever. Or who's the mayor's son, yeah. <laughs> like, find, like find people who have a track record and who have success behind their name, right? Uh, but yeah, like it's, it's going to be interesting of what they should do to partner, but there's going to be a lot of wasteful money because of people partnering with the wrong people who say the right things, who, who speak these and give these great slick presentations. I always say if your presentation's too slick, you've been focusing on um, uh, creating your presentation and not actually doing any work. You're saying there's so. a lot of money out there for fast talkers. Uh, what are those things that people should say? <laughs> <laughs> my, sales pitch, my sales pitch is easy. I always go, don't hire the guys who are just here with the ties on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Says the tie dye guy. <laughs> 
feel well, like then you're wearing where, a lot of ties. <laughs> where are all these contractors going to come from? Where's all this fiber going to come right. from? That's one where's of the key questions I want to ask you. Who's going to build it? Exactly. Yeah, where, where's, where's all? It's hard to get stuff now. You want to talk about electronic shortages. I mean, if you right. haven't, we put our fiber orders in a year in advance. We're now starting to put them in two years ahead of time. Right. For, for duct, handholes, fiber, conduit. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you had all the the tea in China trying to get more of this stuff. It's, it's just not a, it's not down at Walmart. So you've got to, I don't know where these networks are going to, how they're going to be built. And, you know, I guess I, at some point I'd like to understand how did Utopia become successful when so many of these other ones kind of tanked? Was because there, they hired me. I don't know what are talking about. So, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> isn't yeah. the road isn't the road littered with these ones that didn't make it? No, no, so. the road is littered with 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 um just trying not to get too blue. Boy, it's one of those days for me, you know. Like um, <laughs> I'm just I'm censoring myself. Um, I live Travis, in a red state, so I mean I can speak for all your. Make sure you're red. Oh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just curious. You know, I, mean, I always the, hear about all these. Utopia failures. is one of the failures that people are mm -hmm. constantly referring to, and that's the okay. thing is that like the number of these networks that are called failures, um, were needed time to sort themselves out. And there are some people that still call Chattanooga failure and use flawed, right. outdated numbers. They never actually understood what they were describing to claim that. So yeah. um, when you say now, like the, all these Utopia struggled failures, like crazy for the first five, six years, no doubt about it. Yeah, that, no, exactly. Yet again, yeah. yet again right. Doug, it was before right. I was hired. So the success of Utopia started right around 2010. <laughs> I happened to start in 2010. Well, you know, but we, but we have, but we have laughed, but, the, but it is true. And I think that's my biggest fear with all of these. There's not enough Dougs and Kims running around to make these, to execute these networks successfully. This is going to fall on some administrator's lap and it's like, oh God, now I got to build a fiber network. So he's going to call up some contract, you know, some mm -hmm. consultant and they're going to do a feasibility study, Mitchell consulting for 50 well, grand. Well, let's let's hold on a second, right? Like, like I, know, what, I mean, it's, it's a so real Travis, issue. When you and I talked about this and I was just like, yeah. and I was saying, okay, so let's just say we, that, that St. Paul wanted to do something. Yep. And um, what does that mean? Are they going to have to like try and poach your crews? Like, how does that work? And you were like, oh, there's this firm and like they can do the work and like that's who I would kind of trust. As long as the a lot of the cities are trying to do things that are not actually connecting the customers and, and doing billing and stuff like that. Is there capacity in the market to do a lot of this work so that you can sink a lot of the money into the expensive items, even if you can't turn on as many customers as you would like until um, later because of equipment shortages and things like that? Well, it, it depends how many, how many hooks come with the money. That's what always you know worries me, you know, is are they just going to say here, we want conduit down this street and we're willing to pay $12 a foot to get it done. Yeah. But do they want to have 10,000 meetings and oversight and a, you know, a bunch of PowerPoint presentations, then there's not enough cash there to do it. Cause that's mm -hmm. all expense. Do they really want to build a network or do they want to talk about building a network? There's two very distinct differences. And, and a lot want, of people want to talk about it and oh, they don't want to actually operationalize it at all. Oh, I get that all the time. Yeah. I, I, I offer anyone a shovel and a job if they actually want to come help because we all talk is cheap at the end of the day. That's why I've been curious about, you know, some of these networks. I always find that there's very highly competent people that run them to make them successful. They just don't cross their fingers and, and dream. Mm -hmm. And where are all these people going to come from? I think it's, um, I think the big, biggest quality we have here at Utopia of the people who've been here for the longest is being stubborn. And yeah. I think that's more than anything else is that we didn't want it to fail, that this is a passion for us, that we believe that this is the right way. 
And I don't think that you find that passion. The passion. You got it. Passion so let, and incompetence to be able let's to talk about this. though. like, I mean, what is the scale of utopia to work with um, multiple cities and multiple states? You know, what, what is your limitation? At what point are you, I mean, Kim, you haven't had a weekend free in a year from what I can tell. Well, no, I, we, I really haven't. Thanks for saying that I have a great social life, Chris. Um, <laughs> well, you, you but, can't have a social life when Roger keeps calling you at all hours of the day. <laughs> he's on vacation this week. So this is when my week that I'm just going to like cut out work early. Oh, so um, I, I actually picked you up. You're you heading to the bar to get cocktails when yeah, I, when I called you to right beg you to join <laughs> um, He's in Hawaii. So we're not jealous of him at all right now. But uh, no, I think it is. We've talked about that with a lot of our um, partners, um, some of our contractors, of the ability to scale um, to make sure this happened. We have some of the, the best, um, uh, we have some of the best construction crews and conduit people. And they've said, we, as, long, as big as you want to get, we can scale. Um, and they haven't slowed us down thus far. But with the many amount of requests that we're receiving on the daily right now across the country, we are going to have a limit of how fast we can grow because we have to protect the entity of utopia. We don't want to get too big and lose all of our core values that we've spent the last 11 years to get to this point. And that's a huge concern because you don't want to grow too fast and lose what made you this, this project special to begin with. And those contractors will lose their ability to scale very quickly here because all their employees are going to get poached by people willing to pay more. And I mean, this, this is a good time to be a fiber technician. Yeah. Doug, yeah. you're hiring one person. It seems like you should be hiring five people. What's what's your what's your challenge right now with like, I mean, you've already worked with a thousand clients. Um, what's it going to take to get to 2000 next year? Two more people. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, you know, the, the issue is I, I'm like her. I actually only took three days off last year. So like, you know, how many people can I train? <laughs> <laughs> So, it's, it's and true. by the way, it's if true. anyone is looking for a job, I haven't found a good person yet. So this is this is a job ad right here. So it's, you're like, here I am. Do here you I am. Work with me? Yeah, well, this, this is, is something that get. Angela Seifer and I had talked about. Um, is that like it's incredibly hard? I feel like a lot of us have. If we could go back in time, one of the things we would do is groom a heck of a lot more people to have right. background skills five years ago, because right. we do not have a pipeline of people ready to deal with the number of jobs in cities, um, ISPs, states. Um, there's just there's very few people that have the the skills that we would like without having to do a bunch of background. If, if I had done that five years ago, I could triple the size of my business this coming year easily. But you had no idea, right? We had no not. idea we were going to get a pandemic. And I five, think five years ago, I had some rough years. So yeah, I didn't know I, this was coming. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's going to be right. interesting. I mean, I do think like I had a conversation with some people in the industry of how do we groom younger people to come in this industry who want to be in the broadband industry. And I'm like, cause it's a really sexy industry when you talk about it. Do you want to go into this or do you want to go in and talk about bits and ponds and, and bee lands all day? <laughs> now I want to come back to you, Travis, because I feel like you're a person with an open mind and that I, any idea I bring to you, like, Oh, let's, let's try to think it out. And um, I feel like different cities have come to you in um, it, with ideas about how they might be able to build a network and attract you or something like that. And here you are being like, why would I ever do that? Uh, why would you? Uh, well, I, just, I, I also felt there needed to be somebody at the table that played the devil's advocate because, you know, there's this whole, you know, they print all this money and they start spreading it around. You know, I guess selfishly, are we are we going to get a taste of it? No, I highly doubt it. So we're going to keep hooking people up every day, I, all day long. Well, I think, 
but do I, but do I think that we're, this is a great topic for this, this uh, podcast? Well, we're going to keep talking about this forever because it's, it's right. just, this is a problem. That's, I don't know. But Travis, I, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like this is why you and I are talking about, like yeah. if the city of Minneapolis actually, if I shouldn't say the whole city, if the city councilors wanted to do something other than just complain about the state of things, if they wanted to say, put a few million dollars, maybe 10 into conduit in the hardest neighborhoods of you to return and to get a return, um, you know, would you work with them on it? Or would you just say, look, I've had 15 years of working with you folks and all you want to do is have meetings and, and create problems. And I don't trust you. Uh, you know, at the, at this point in our evolution, I don't need the funding anymore. So I'd rather just do it myself because literally I could submit a permit today, get it approved in a week, have the crews out there a week later and we're done. Whenever I historically involve, oh, I hate to call government, but when you, you know, people that just want to talk, you know, again, we're, we're are we going to talk or are we going to do uh -huh. people that want to talk? will talk, 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 talk for years and years and years and years, and we'll never get anywhere. So I'm also a completist. I like to complete the project and move on to the next project. And, and the issue with that I have seen historically is these municipalities have had bond financing available to them since the day we hooked up our first customer. They've had all, they have tax revenue like coming out of their, into them like crazy. I wish I had this problem. And they have done nothing to this point. So I find it just easier to do it myself. Let's talk about a city that doesn't yeah. have a Travis, though, because most cities don't. There's only a handful yeah. of people doing what Travis doing. You know, another city the size of Minneapolis could take this money. There's no reason they couldn't go build fiber to public housing and all sorts of other things and just get that done for all time. I, I hope that they use it yeah. smartly like that. Connect the schools, connect public housing, connect poor neighborhoods, build the conduit in those poor neighborhoods, because that's the only way those places, if they don't have a Travis, are ever gonna get anything. So the, so I think there are ways to use it. And that's just infrastructure. That's not creating an ISP. Build the condo yep. with all those places and turn around to somebody and go, now there's no rules, please come use it. But this Doug, yeah, let me ask you this. Conduit <clears throat> and fiber have been around for 20 years. Yeah. Why? Why? Why all of a sudden now? Because last year changed everything. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I think it's it it really worth noting that we've seen this now because um, this is really worth exploring. It's a really good question, Travis. I've been wrestling with this and trying to figure out what we're really seeing. There is a new reality. I don't know what the dimensions of the new reality are, but it involves the White House talking about this in a different mm -hmm. way. It involves unprecedented amounts of money. It involves local leaders taking this seriously in ways that are packing my calendar. Um, and so for, for five years, we've heard people saying, it's different now, we get it, but they really didn't. Uh -huh. It was about them using those words, but the pandemic and not just the pandemic, the six months after the pandemic started or when I saw real changes and people realized that they actually had to do something and stop talking. So I do think it is different now. Well, that's, a that's a temporary yeah. window do? though. It's a temporary window because yeah. if we don't do something in three or four years, it's going to be behind us. Again. And Kim, what were you going to say? I, I agree with Travis though, because I don't think that we hear about financing being the biggest issue of these projects. And I don't think it's financing. People do have, a lot of these cities do have the bonding capacity to do this. Mm -hmm. It's more about political will and having the appetite to bite off and say, I'm gonna take on, take this challenge on. I've always said that right now, yeah. right now, Hennepin County, 
the city of Minneapolis, I think it's mostly the state, uh, the federal government are putting $2 billion into a light rail train into a suburb, $2 billion. And I don't want to get into like a lot of stuff around light rail. I don't want to be commenting on that, but that's enough money that Travis, I would guess that we could get a fiber to just about everyone inside the 694, 494 corridor for $2 billion. Without a doubt. Yeah. That's an astonishing amount of money. It comes down to political Mm -hmm. will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which of those two is which of those two is more valuable for the life of the city? It's pretty obvious. It's the condo. The entire region. We're talking about two million people. Like I right. mean, I don't know, a million and a half, three million. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, but but Doug, you know, if some, and if, they, if and if they did that, those people wouldn't need a light rail. They could all work at home. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you but if you could if if you could help some of these smaller ISPs, remember back in '95 there was 197 of us just here in the Twin Cities. If you could help some some of these smaller ISPs get going, then I, I think you could you could build out these networks. Now, you either do it through you know giving them conduit, or maybe to Kim's point, there's just maybe there's just not people around anymore that want to be in this industry. <laughs> maybe it's just maybe it's just us four, you know, that, that think this is cool. You I'm know, so, I'm so happy yeah. you think I'm in the industry, Travis. I yeah, thought yeah, I was yeah, one of yeah. the talkers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I don't. All I look at this is just another bucket of money that is coming in that we're going to talk about. This is just, this is just April 2021's bucket. There'll be a new bucket next year that we'll talk about and all the great things it's going to do, but no, I don't think so. I, I think I, this is like, this is like a bucket. That's like a once in a lifetime bucket. Like I just, I, I don't know. I mean, especially because I mean, again, I don't want to get too political or into, into things. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like a big, like, you know, I'm not, I don't understand everything about money and economics. And, and um, I mostly had to take um, macroeconomics in grad school under a haze of painkillers. Cause I had mm-hmm. surgery and, um, and it just worked out that I was always at the highest point of doing macroeconomics. Um, and so I really struggled there. It's a personal At least thing. they weren't recreational but, painkillers. Chris, that's right. Yeah. That. So I was still ahead of most of the rest of the class, perhaps. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that like, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the consequences are of spending as much money as we are right now with the amount of debt that we were previously had as a country. I do not think that this kind of window will be open in this way again, uh, at least for a generation, possibly ever. So uh, this is a one-time thing, and I hope that people are able to, to spend it well. Well, so for fingers crossed. Let me just, I wanted to talk about a couple other things. One is E-rate. Any reactions, Doug? You're probably following this closer than anyone else. It looks to me like the FCC is getting ready to take about the $10 billion of augmentation to the E-rate program and really wants to design rules that basically are only available to schools wasting it on non-structural changes that will not have an effect on anyone as soon as the money runs out. Oh, you just summarized it quite well. I agree. Yes, that's what it looks to me like. That's what they're talking about. My nightmares are true. Yes, sir. That's how I look. See it too. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about between New York and and Los Angeles County, New York City and Los Angeles County. Um, I believe they have spent more than one billion dollars on hotspots for cellular um, connectivity alone mm-hmm. to give to low income students. You could have solved right. permanently mm-hmm. public housing access in both of those places entirely with that much money. Right. Mm-hmm. And where did that money go? It went to Verizon and AT&T. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, the pandemic's been very good to those two companies. So, and and that's what I think is going to happen to a whole lot more of this money before it's done. So. Oh, good. I'm glad you said it, Doug, because I was, that was, yeah. I was, you know, you know Comcast, Verizon, AT&T, they're going to get most of this cash one way or right. another. 
One way You're or the breaking other. my heart, people. You're so, breaking my heart. <laughs> okay, this is where I need Good, to Good, I'm glad Doug said it and I didn't. So <laughs> I need to defend Comcast for a second, right? Comcast is taking most of this money in $10 chunks, at least. Mm-hmm. Charter's getting it in $30 chunks. They have wireless companies often in $20 chunks. Comcast has been the most responsible of all these companies. Mm-hmm. It was the best company for low-income folks before mm-hmm. the pandemic. It is the only one that has behaved in any kind of responsible manner in the, in the time since at a broad level, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. I agree. Don't disagree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I keep I saying things still... that are killing the conversation. Yeah, my... so I think we need a <laughs> yeah, challenge. Well, if so... you keep saying truthful things, we're just going to shake our head. I'll make sure to fix that. Go ahead, Kim. <laughs> but, but, but think about it. It's really smart from their standpoint because it's yes. hard to compete against $10. Right. So, right. so if you're a private ISP that's going to go into a public housing building and build it out and your, your maximum uptake is going to be 25% of the people at 10 bucks. You know what? Comcast You're not going to go there. You no, know, Comcast is genius for doing this. You, you think it's all they're just holding their territory. But I think it's, it's a smart yeah, way to do it. We have to challenge it. We're working on stuff internally. I can't announce yet here at Utopia because I get the Comcast program has been successful, but it's still providing subpar broadband service and to low income housing. And how are you going to end systematic poverty is not by keeping people on subpar broadband service. So we need to have a $10 or so product that offers up to 100, 100 or more. Real and broadband, I think, yeah. yeah 50, real 55 is not real broadband. There's no two, yeah. none of those houses have two kids working at the same time in their school. Or, so, so, so is, is I the- I think that's a change. I like that, Kim. Is the working with you on that? Or is the public housing division <laughs> working with you on that? You know, how- right now, we're, we're working on doing um, a beta test. Uh, we had a meeting with some, some of the city leaders and they understand the need for it. And they are, we're like kind of putting the program together still and seeing what okay. we can come up with. Yeah. I, I would but love it, to get an update in a few months of if you've actually made any progress on that. No, that and I think great. that's, yeah, I think that's where we're going to change the conversation is that just because you're economically disadvantaged, you should not be broadband disadvantaged. And the, if we're going to provide fiber to everyone, let's provide actually good quality service if we're doing it. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. See, I think that the city should use this money to go to public housing complexes, not people who are scattered and just give them broadband for the rest of forever for free. Mm-hmm. You just go, look, here's, we're putting gigabit broadband in this building and everyone gets it for free that's, that's how to use this free money that's coming that's down. what i've said i've said that um i've i've thought that mayors governors should uh, say set themselves a challenge and say in 18 months every single person in public housing in in, in centralized mm-hmm. public housing not in section section nine section eight i forget section eight, eight vouchers yeah. um that everyone in the in a apartment building style public housing would have a, a high quality internet connection uh, available um, as part of the rent. And actually there's a bill in Congress that would require that um, for uh, future housing, which I think um, is, is a good thing. So um, and it, yeah, it'd be I, nice, to, it'd be nice to see that. I like, I like the EBB model better because it'll, it affords you, you can give effectively free high speed, high quality internet away. The provider gets $50 a month. So there's enough money in there for you to build out. Travis, but that's going to bankrupt. I mean, like, it's not going to bankrupt. It's over (laughs) hyperbole. Um, The federal government spending $10 billion, $12 billion a year for the rest of time is not something that's likely to happen. And so that's where I think what Doug is saying is that's a change of a change of administration. That program disappears overnight. Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah, And fair (laughs) enough. But it it at least puts enough dollars in the in the ISP that they can function. You're never going to compete against Comcast on these things. You just never will. 
Well, I mean, they've already announced with EBB, it's a short-term program until they run out of cash or at this time marker. Right. So we already know it's a program that's going to end at some point. So I think that Doug's point of providing it to low-income housing is what the Biden administration is wanting to do to say, what is the long-term solution? Well, that does it have to end though. I mean, if it was 10 billion a year, I mean, you know, how many, how many billions are we talking Look about? That's half of NASA's budget. Like, I mean, and, and like Doug said, I mean, that's, it's a, it's a significant well, How much is this 1.9 well, trillion? Unfortunately, it's, it's the yeah. kind of program that has a big red cross on it that people are going to, it's a target to use. Right. I mean, this is what life. we saw when, 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 <laughs> When the Obama administration proposed extending the Reagan era um, $9 uh, phone subsidy program to including mobile phones and a little bit of broadband data, he was accused with a whole bunch of, of really ugly rhetoric of, of uh, trying well, to do this massive giveaway. I mean, Obama these things become political. Yeah, they're called Obama phones. Oh, and, yeah. and I mean, so I, I just I feel like it's a recipe for um, a program that starts again, stops again, and that sort of thing. And here's the thing that I tell cities that I've, have, that I've been talking with is that you've had this one-time money from the federal government. What you should be doing is figuring out how to spend as much of it as you can that you spend on broadband on things that will result in you having lower costs and benefits that will still be there after the money runs out. Like that's the framework right. that I think you need to have. It's not, you know, what do we do temporarily? It's, it's really like, what can we build that we can continue to mm -hmm. operate in a sustainable manner after that? Well, you just right. went and did it again and just said the right thing. So we can't react. Well, no, but, but what is it? <laughs> oh, I mean, but what is it? Because in any of these models, there's an ongoing operate, you know, operating expense mm -hmm. attached to them. Mm -hmm. Just because you run some fiber around and you hook them into buildings, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You so, actually need people to operate it. Yeah, you no, need people to operate no. it. Who's going to answer so the is, phone? I mean, the, the thing is, is that this point. is there. There has but isn't, to be an no, but Travis, like this is this is where I feel like. There's a number of different solutions to that. One is to say the city, a lot of cities, like for instance, have run fiber to their public facilities, but they may not run it themselves. They have an RFP every five years and they say like, here are our assets. We want you to operate this for us. And they have this competition in a, in a, in a, you know, a, a process in which um, like you then select a vendor that will do the, the parts that the city doesn't want to do necessarily. And so what you have a bunch of people fighting over $10 a month, internet accounts. No, I don't think anyone's going to respond to your RFP. So but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not but they, totally but they do. out. But they, they do. do. Yeah. They, they, a lot, they're going to take city, all the customer service, tech support, and everything. A for, lot of cities, for, they do it. And, and the folks who do it are nonprofits. The nonprofits actually come in and do all that stuff for pretty hmm. cheap. Okay. okay. Well, I think that goes back to the case for municipal broadband. <laughs> Because we do it, we have a customer service team. We're we're the one who's servicing them every day. Um, but it is a like we're kind of a, a department of these municipalities who who started us. So yeah, but, I think they're. But you just said that you don't really have a bunch of low income housing on board yet, do you? We have low income housing. We don't have a low income housing product that's out there that's published yet. No. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be curious about the economics of it. Yeah, and I mean, here's where also there's this whole thing that's happening in parallel called digital navigators that we've mm -hmm. touched on a little bit here and there in the past in which we would expect that whether as part of this program or otherwise, the first touch point for, for instance, a recent immigrant who's getting a device from uh, PCs for people, when they go back and something goes wrong on that device, it should be to touch PCs for people or the nonprofit that PCs for people is working with or the county library or the city library. It shouldn't be the ISP until there's it's clearly a problem with the ISP. And I think it's really important for people who are crafting 
constructing these programs to understand that. Like Travis shouldn't have to answer his phone until yeah. it's very clear the problem is actually with his network because he doesn't want to be troubleshooting someone on IE8. But the, but the reality is because we answer the phone and maybe the nonprofit oh. isn't open past five o'clock at night, we get the phone call on why their printer isn't working. And what are you going to do? Oh, and I think that, I mean, for our sake, like I, just to put it in, into context too, with the CARES Act money, we connected some homeless shelters around the area of Utah, which are a little low income, but yeah, like it's, we're, but we work really tightly with the city. Right. And I think that's the difference. Like, since we're kind of an arm of the city, it's a direct connection when the homeless shelter calls the city, then they, we have this connection with them, which I think is just a little bit different, but I understand where you're coming from. Travis. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, we did that in Minneapolis. We, we put wireless and, and hotspots inside homeless shelters. And, you know, honestly, if they were, if they were using their phone, we had almost no tech support issues. It's when they got a windows computer. Oh my God, it was a nightmare. You know, it was an absolute nightmare trying to teach people that don't know, you know, they just don't understand computers. They understood the phone really well. Mm -hmm. They just didn't understand PCs. Well, that, I think that goes into the three things of digital equity, right? Um, that we still need to some, some advancement in, which is the education, the equipment and the broadband. It's and a three-pronged approach. I think these things are working themselves out to some extent, like every year, there's a smaller population. It's not like there's a, there's a constant supply of new people coming in that don't understand how to use computers. Like the younger generation develops that in school. And so I feel like this is a problem that we're, um, it's that bulge moving through the snake and like it's, it's getting through there. We're going to get our handle on it. And, and frankly, with uh, upcoming legislation, I mean, Doug, you're doing pieces on your blog on the Accessible Affordable Internet for All Act. Um, given how much money we've gotten from ARPA, um, that's going out right now, I'm more excited about the digital equity portions of AAIA than anything else, because I feel like that's the biggest unmet need right now. I agreed. So, and I'm not going to be able to talk anymore because I'm kind of stuck on the bulge moving through the snake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a hamster. I'm sorry to what, say. What, what, small snake. Oh, now, now he had, there he goes. <laughs> the, the three Wait. people that we had watching us are gone now. I am. We are going to have to stop it. Are there closing comments from anyone? I mean, this is something I feel like one of the things for cities is this sense of um, in, in counties and whatnot is, is find a qualified uh, person to help you out. Um, I do feel like um, it is a hard task. And, um, and I hope that, that cities and counties are able to do that, but I'm curious if people have any other advice that's sort of practical in terms of evaluating what to do um, based on the what little we know. The rules are going to change, and we'll probably talk more about them when they do, but from what we know right now. I, I agree with what you said, actually, which was try to find some way to use it that has a benefit that's here still here 10 years from now. If you do that, you did all right. So. I think, I think I'd agree with everything, and I think for all these cities, is just really research this and continue to read as it all com continuously comes out because it's gonna be evolving and changing. And don't set your eyes on just doing this product or doing this uh, like project because it might change. So yeah, just continually have backup plans and yet again, have the right partners in place. Start getting those partners in place right now um, if you don't have them or try to um, and start vetting them.
Yeah, let me just let me double down on that research it really I mean, Doug writes a new post every week, but all the ones he's written in the past are still there. <laughs> he has tags that allow you to go and, and search by subject to read past things I myself um, when I'm trying to find something will often like dig into like 5g or one of his other tags. Um, so small cells in 5G are a little duplicative, Doug, but uh, <laughs> uh, at muninetworks.org, we do the same thing. Uh, if you're looking for background on states, if you want to read everything we've ever written about Utopia, we have tags about it. And I think it's really important to, to go back. And the way I would do it is to look at specific things that are relevant and then figure out who to talk to. We do okay. too little talking to each other. Those okay. conversations are important. Uh, and, and people are more willing to do a video chat now than they had been before. So, um, so I'd say do that. Travis, is there anything you want to, you want to leave as a final comment? Well, I guess from what I've seen is if I was a municipality or, you know, government entity, I would find somebody in the organization and give them the reins. If you haven't, uh, the ones I've seen successful in Minnesota here is like David Ast down in Ramsey County and like Clint Pyers in St. Louis park, they've had the reins. They have awesome networks. I don't even know if these communities understand what they what they've developed, mm -hmm. but somebody has been in charge and not a committee and give them the budget, let them run it and say, at least put conduit in the ground. We can figure out the fiber later. Just get some conduit on the ground. Don't and spend with the money. Wildly. Yeah. Have an engineer with a plan that tells you how to put conduit well, in the ground. At least, at least an idea. Of what you you're don't doing want here. me with a shovel out there. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, some conduit is better than no conduit. Bolts are helpful too in the right spots. Yeah, I'm not coming to Minneapolis because Travis is going to give me a shovel. So yeah, yeah, you, know, you got to work. Yeah. How do you think you earn the wings, Doug? Yes. I don't think Chris, you've had a shovel too many times to earn those wings. Oh you no, Chris was out on a job site one time and he oh. looks down in the hole and goes, "Really? It's that much work." <laughs> <laughs> I go, yeah, Chris, this is what a fiber network looks like on the ground. It was not my first time uh, someone tried to put me in a vault and close it up. I'll just want to put yeah, that yeah. out there. Um, and I, and I'll, I'll just note that one of the, so I've been without heat, um, without hot water for most of the past week. And um, it shows it's uh, <laughs> actually, I actually just took a shower before this. So um, y'all didn't have to smell me, fortunately. Um, but um, we've re been remodeling our basement. I personally excavated almost the entire basement. I broke up the concrete slab. I excavated it. I know how to use the shovel now and I will right. never touch one again. <laughs> my, first job, my first job was climbing those towers you keep showing pictures of. So Ooh, yeah, yeah. I, I was glad to get out of that job. <laughs> no, and I, I think that anyone who's working in this space really should go out and see how a network works. You I mean, really we can make should. jokes about it, but it is really important to see it and to talk to the people that are doing it because they just what they do in a normal life is really important to getting the policy right. So and I, um, I would invite anyone if they want to make their way to Minneapolis and see how it comes comes together i'm happy to show them because it does really make sense once you see it in person versus talking about it on a whiteboard yeah and if but, anybody wants to talk about open access you got me but um you might have to hear my bad jokes if you um, chat with <laughs> me on the phone i've never heard a bad joke i love them all <laughs> Well, thank you all and uh, let um, Ryan take us out, but this has been a, a very helpful show and I really appreciate you filling in the last second, Kim. And uh, Travis, as always, it was great. And uh, and Doug, uh, we'll probably try to have you on again in a few more episodes. We're trying not to let you take it over too rapidly. <laughs> thank you guys. Well done. All right. Thank you. Thanks.